The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls, welcome back to Brutal Nation. Once again, I am your host, Scott Alexander. Right across from me is the one, the only, Tammy, the Sasquatch Underwood. Say, ah, Tammy. Hi, everybody. <laughs> I love that. That's Rock funny. and roll. No. <laughs> now Squat- Squatch and roll. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys and girls, so today is my day. Yeah. It's about Just time fine. you do something. Huh? It's about time you do something. I don't have to do anything. I'm pretty. Okay. <laughs> and today I'm going to be doing a kid by the name, I do mean kid, by the name of Edward O'Brien Jr. Oh, so it's a would-be Wednesday. Right, right. And uh, this will probably be another short one because I'm the king of short ones. Shut up. I see that look. I just set myself up for that joke. Mm-hmm. And you don't make the jokes like I do. I don't, but you know what? They come to my head. I just don't get them articulated you should, out. You should articulate it. Yeah, it's all good. Nobody needs to know how short your dick is. Picture this. Sicily, 1995. No, I'm just kidding. Boston, (laughs) wasn't it? Close, yeah. It was July of 27th, 1995 in the town of Somerville, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Try to say that. God, my tongue fucking poked me in the eye. As the heat beat down upon the town, Janet Downing pulled into the driveway. Janet's son, Ryan, and his best friend, Eddie, rushed out to her car to help her bring in the groceries. Like good kids do. That they don't do today, because today, kids are little fucking bastards. They are. So, Eddie was always at the Downing home. And Janet was more than happy to make the kids snacks. And, you know, and the, you know they, they spent their summer days together. Like most teenage boys. Yeah. You know, with their best friends. So, at the time, Eddie was 15 years old. He stood six foot four and weighed in at 260 pounds. Holy shit. Big boy, right? Yeah. So although he was a big kid at 15, he was thought of as a gentle giant or a teddy bear. Okay. Like a really nice, well-mannered kid, you know. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like, you know, kind of like Jake. Jake's a big kid. Well, but, so is my son, yeah. Yeah, and, and well, your son's kind of a dick to you but sometimes. But uh, Jake yeah. is always fucking, he's just really chill most of the time. Most. most. Not always. Sometimes I want to shoot him. With a tranquilizer dart. I know, huh? A very nice boy, former altar boy at his church, and an all-around great kid. Okay. Eddie lived right across the street from his best friend, Ryan, and came uh, from a really good family. That's as far as I can tell. Like, I didn't see anything. Okay. I couldn't find anything that came even close to indicating that he was abused or neglected in any way. He came from a typical eh, middle-class family. Yeah. Yeah, you know, all around American boy type of a bullshit thing. He's an American boy. That's uh, American Girl and it's Tom Petty. Just saying. I know. <laughs> if you can ruin songs, so can I. No, that's true. So Janet and the boys talked a bit about an unsolved murder of a 17-year-old girl in their town. And shortly after that, Janet decided to take a nap on a hot, sunny Sunday afternoon. So after a while, Eddie asked Ryan why his mom was sleeping, and Ryan just shrugged it and sat off and said, hey, you know what, let's go swimming at the local pool. They had plans earlier to go swimming anyway, you know, so that, that was yeah. kind of like, let's okay. go swimming, right? Uh, what year was this, 95? Yeah, 95. Okay. So Eddie declined. He said, you know what, nah, it's cool. I really don't want to go swimming anymore. And they go their separate ways. Yeah. 
So Ryan went off swimming. And I assume that Eddie, the gentle giant, went home. Okay. Makes sense. So Ryan was out a bit late, and he came home at around 10 o'clock. He'd been swimming and hanging out with some other friends, you know, doing teenage boy shit. Right. And in my mind's eye, I can see him walk into his house and calling for his mom. That's what I see. You know, after all, he'd been out all day, and I'm pretty sure he's pretty hungry. So what do you do when you come from that kind of... It sounds like a really good home on both ends, you know? You come in, Mom, I'm home. Did you make food? I'm a starving teenage boy. I'm going to eat you out of house and home. You know, typical thing. What he walked into, though, was a scene straight out of a horror movie. There was blood splattered everywhere, and there lay his mother. She had been stabbed to death in their home. So Ryan ran across the street to Eddie's house and told Eddie's parents to call 911. Okay. Because something's up, right? And Ryan's mother had been stabbed over 90 times with a knife. Oh, shit. And the gruesome scene was left there just for Ryan to find. Wow. 90 times. 90 times. That's an act. That's a crime of passion. Yeah. I wonder what she did. So let's take a step back in time to before Janet was killed. The Downing home had been experiencing some strange shit, right? Mm-hmm. Items would disappear. They'd reappear days later. There was, a per- there was perfume that was placed in their coffee grounds. Items moved around their home. You know, strange shit. Yeah. The same time that Janet was, you know, I'm just giving you a little backstory that like some weird shit no, was no, happening yeah. in their house, right? I get it. So at the same time that Janet was found, Eddie had walked down to the store where he worked part-time. His hands were bleeding, and he had scratches up and down his arms, legs, and his hands as well. Holy shit. Now, he had told the store owner that he'd been mugged by some guys that were either black or or Hispanic. That's right. Blame it on the ethnic groups. Fuckers. Probably was, though. Probably was black or Hispanic. Probably. So, Eddie at first didn't want to call the cops at all. But the store owner finally convinced him to call him and, you know, make a report about this. Okay. Let's get these guys caught. Call the police. Exactly. So when the cops came to talk to Eddie about the mugging, they became pretty suspicious of him. The area that he claimed that he was mugged in was a well-traveled area, yet no one saw anything. Like, there's a ton of people around. Everybody's like, no, dude, we didn't see shit. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah, it happens a lot, though. Uh, yeah, I well, suppose. I had heard a long time ago that eyewitness testimony was the best testimony you could have in a trial. But then I learned later that eyewitness testimony is the most faultiest Well, yeah, testimony. because everybody interprets things differently. Mm-hmm. So get this. Then Eddie gave the cops his address, and that raised even more red flags, since the dead body that had just been discovered was right across the street from where Eddie lived. Right. So, you know, they, they got this bloodied up kid that's all scratched up and all, and they find a, somebody who's been stabbed 90 times. Right. Damn. So three friends of Eddie and Ryan's came forward to say that they had gone to Ryan's house, rang the doorbell, no one answered, and they heard some noises coming from, like, the backyard. Okay. So they went to check it out. They go over there and say, hey, you know, maybe Ryan's in the back. Okay. Getting some backyard action. (laughs) So, anyway, a bad joke. (laughs) That was a bad joke. They said that they found Eddie crouched down in the bushes. And according to them, Eddie just smiled at him and calmly just walked away without saying a goddamn thing. Wow. To me, that's a little suspicious. But, okay, there you go. 
Yeah. So detectives said that they found Eddie's fingerprints and blood on the door, as well as on a post that's, uh, that was like in the basement of the Downing Home. And they later found more of Eddie's prints on the handle of a knife that was found in the trash that actually belonged to Eddie. Wow. When Eddie was arrested, he was charged with Janet's murder, and he was uh, un- unnaturally cool. Uh, and there's a quote from, uh, I think this is the DA. There's absolutely nothing in his eyes. Uh, I'm sorry. There's absolutely nothing coming out of him. Nothing. No fear. No screaming. No screaming. I, I didn't do this. Nothing in the way res- of resembling what you might expect from a 15-year-old kid who's being charged with cutting up his best friend's mother. His eyes were black. Nothing there. It made my blood run cold, said Middlesex County District Attorney Tom Riley. Wow. So Eddie totally refused to testify in his trial. They wanted him to do it. Say, hey, man, fucking testify in this. And he's like, yeah, fuck off. No. So Eddie was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. The jury deliberated for only eight hours before deciding that Eddie used extreme cruelty and and atrocity when killing Janet. Wow. As the sentence was read, his father said, quote, oh, my God, in shock. Just in shock. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe my kid's going to go to prison forever. Right. However, Eddie showed absolutely no emotion. Kind of like Sig. Yeah, kind of like Sig. Yeah. Just sat there like another day in fucking in the world. Yeah. Who cares? But we're going to have a twist at the end of this. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. I'm waiting for it. So anyway, as he was led away from the courtroom, his dad shouted, we know that you're innocent and we love you. Yeah. Nothing like enabling. Well, wait till the twist. Okay. Twist and shot. So according to Eddie's family, it was another person, Janet's brother-in-law, Artie Cortez, that was the real killer. Okay. And she was afraid of Artie. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, he was. She was afraid that Artie was going to murder her, uh, and that's what. Uh, wait a minute. Oh, that's an actual quote. Okay, she was afraid that Artie Ortiz, of, of Artie Ortiz, and um, he murdered her. Is what was shouted by Eddie's mom, Trisha, after the verdict was read. "You're a liar! You're a liar!" screamed Janet's daughter, Carrie Ann Downing. Okay. And I'm surprised you didn't follow it with your pants are on fire. I would have. Because you're a child. Yeah, pretty much. Anyways, Artie Ortiz and his wife lived with Janet. However, four months before her murder, Janet kicked them out because she found out that or- that uh, Artie was uh, dealing drugs out of her home. Okay. And apparently, he totally refused to even return the keys. He said, no, keeping the keys. Adios, bitch. Adios, bitch nachos. That's right. With a name like Ortiz, he can use bitch nachos. Yep. Um, Ortiz was never considered a suspect in Janet's murder, and that was according to the DA, uh, Tom Riley. Okay. There was never any evidence pointing towards him being guilty, but a lot of, uh, but a lot pointing to, uh, towards Eddie. It's a terrible injustice, and this is a quote from that DA again, it's terrible injustice, uh, it is a terrible injustice that has been done by even bringing in a man who is totally innocent into the case, by injecting his name into the case, he said. That was the DA. Okay. <laughs> Trisha told people that Eddie was a scapegoat in all this. 
She contended that Ortiz's cab had been towed away uh, off the street that ver- the very night that uh, the downing woman, Janet, was murdered. Uh, with a trail of blood behind it is what she said. But anyway, however, pl- the, the cops had said that the blood was uh, Eddie's and the cab was towed because Ortiz lost his keys in the confusion of the murder. Uh, and there's another quote here. Uh, I'm not sure who it's from. God damn it. Makes no sense. Uh, make no sense about it. God damn. It was the evidence that convicted uh, Edward O'Brien. And that's one. That's that DA as well. Tom Riley. In the book, Politics of Murder by Margot Nash. What the hell are you doing? I don't there? know. I hit something on my computer. And Polak. I didn't mean to do it. I apologize. In the book's Politics of Murder by Margot Nash, a trial attorney is signed to the court to be Eddie's garden, guardian. Uh, gave some highlights at some of the evidence which uh, she claimed pointed towards Eddie being innocent and Ortiz, Ortiz being guilty. Okay. The attack was so vicious that there was blood across the stairs and the walls pooling on the floor. However, Eddie had no blood on him. So at first they're saying he was all scratched up. Yeah, that's why I'm kind of lost. So yeah, I was a little lost there too. But apparently they didn't find any blood on him. So there you go. But he was all scratched up. He was all scratched up. Which hey, maybe he got into a fight and shit like that. Um, We don't know. Maybe he tussled with a kitty cat. Yeah. (laughs) The prosecutor decided against identifying the DNA under Janet's fingernails, as well as the other DNA and fingerprints at the scene. Gina Mahoney, a neighbor, um, had a had seen Ortiz entering the Downing home when she was outside several times in the past. Plus, before her murder, Janet had expressed her fears about Ortiz. Okay. When Mahoney asked to speak to the investigators, they said no at her attempts to be interviewed. They said, no, we're not interested. Nope. They also refused to speak to Victoria Reckley, who had apparently heard a commotion at the point during... at the point during the short time window when the murder could have actually taken place. Okay. But when witnesses had established that Eddie was somewhere else. Okay. So she's getting murdered. She's hearing this going on. But at that same time, Eddie wasn't there. Eddie was at the store, right? That's where he's yeah. At. Or something like It was something like that. He was somewhere else. Anyway. Yeah, I'm just like confused. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty convoluted case. While the evidence against Eddie was compelling at the time, the crime scene wasn't adequately secured for several hours. That's okay. what you know, I've gotten out of it, at least. Um, where was I? For several hours. And, a while more, uh, and while more is known about forensic science today, it might have helped his case. If it, it might help his case if it does get back into review. Right. To take it back to court. Okay. In 2013, a ruling by Massachusetts Supreme Court, Supreme Judicial Court ruled that juveniles convicted of a murder serving a mandatory life sentence should have a chance at parole. So yeah. that's good, right? So that means that Eddie's case could go up for review. The caveat is, though, to be eligible for parole, Eddie would have to confess to the crime. Wow. Uh-huh. And since he says he's an innocent man. Uh, yeah. uh, the same thing. Yep. <laughs> Little, uh. Uh, I can't remember his name. Billy something or other. Billy Joel. Joel. God damn. Anyway, since he won't confess, he says he's innocent. Uh, you know, 
There's nothing that can go on with that. Wow. So my closing statement, then we can wrap this one up. This is only a fucking 15-minute episode, too. So there you go. Well, I have to. I got to go to bed, man. I'm going to turn to a pumpkin. It was a busy day. Don't look at me like that. It was a busy day. I was tortured. And not I even should have went with you. Actually, what I told, before I get my closing statement, what I told her, because uh, we have to text so she opens the door and lets us in. I said, hey, torturer, I'm here. Is it wrong that I brought a ball gag with me? You did not say that I to did. Her. She laughed. She is funny. I love her. She's amazing. My closing statement. A bit torn on this case, boys and girls. Did Eddie do it? I think that there's a possibility that he did. However, if the case was not if the case was not processed properly, then who knows? Especially the crime scene, right? Right. I think to myself, of course, Eddie's prints were found at the scene, uh, but he was there all the time. So, of course, his prints are going to be at the scene. Right. The three friends that said that they saw Eddie, Eddie crouched in the bushes, well, that's pretty much hearsay, isn't it? Yeah. You would think. Yeah. As far as a knife in the garbage, who's to say that Eddie didn't leave it at the Downing House by mistake? Maybe he dropped it. You give me that look. No, I, I just. As, as a teenager, we drop shit all oh, the time. Oh, no, that's not what I was talking about. Uh, you need to say in your disclosure for the uh, copyright 2022 now. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I keep forgetting. It's okay. But. On the other hand. Getting mug, get, the getting mugged thing and the scratches on him with no one seeing who had attacked him in a well-traveled area is something that makes me raise an eyebrow as well. Yeah. The other thing that makes me take notice and... Wait a minute. Lost my place. Sorry. <laughs> Where the hell am I? The other thing that makes me take notice is a lack of reaction from Eddie when he was arrested or even in court. Yeah. The reaction. So that, you know, it just... But there's, there's several ways that can go, honestly. It could be that he just shut down because of shock or who knows. Yeah. So half of me is thinking that this kid is innocent, and the other half of me is, is thinking that it's kind of like O.J. Simpson. He didn't do it, but saying that someone else did. The only difference is Eddie isn't trying to outrun the cops in a Ford Bronco on the freeway. <laughs> I thought you'd get a kick out of that ending right there. <laughs> The little slow speed chase down the uh, freeway. I saw that on the news when it happened. Isn't that ridiculous? It was the funniest thing. They're doing like 25 miles an hour. They got cops behind them and choppers above them. They're just chugging along. Yeah. It was just like you guys could probably cut them off and block them in. You realize that, right? Yeah. They're doing like fucking like. 40 miles an hour. And they were even saying that on the news. They're all like, they're in hot pursuit right now. They're doing upwards of 40 to 45, 55 miles an hour now, 55 miles an hour. You know, cops' cars are pretty fucking quick. Yeah. Why don't you get a couple up there, make a little block, blockade, appreciate the stop. Right. No shit, you. But no. Ugh. I'm telling you, that whole thing was bizarre. So what do you think? Is he a murderer? See, I don't know. I'm torn, too. Yeah, torn between two verdicts. So my question is, though, if he didn't do it, who do you think did? Uh, Ortiz. Oh. Uh, that would be the obvious. Sus- Number one, the, to totally rule him out right off the get-go is stupid. You have to... Why? My question is, why wasn't he considered a suspect? She, he got kicked out for selling dope. 
Right. Drug dealers most of the time aren't known as the nicest people in the world. True that. You know. True that. I was, but and if she was afraid of him to begin with, yeah, that kind you got of a point that made me raise an eyebrow only because well, wait a minute, why was he never a suspect? Yeah, and you knew it had to be a crime of passion because she was stabbed ninety times. If you see a picture of this kid, he's a doughboy. Yeah, I see. I don't think that he's like going to ninja her down and keep stabbing her, but maybe he did. I don't fucking know, but. Wow. I mean, maybe she's built like our waxer, Michelle. Michelle's really small. But I think she's a tough cookie. Oh, I think she is, too. I'm pretty sure Michelle could fucking kill me if she wanted to. I would love to be there to see that. And I would enjoy every minute of it. I know you would. With a ball gag. Shut up! You're bad. And I pay extra for spanking. You know what? (laughs) You and I, we're done speaking. Remember, you can send us an email. (laughs) Brutal Nation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check out the website at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check out our Patreon page. Help a brother out. Help a brother out. Click on that Amazon link on the page. That helps us out as well. Every little bit helps. And check us out wherever. Just put at Brutal Nation wherever you want to read our blogs. Get all the information without half of my bullshit. Yeah. Sometimes that's good, but I think I'm pretty fucking entertaining. I, you kind of are a little bit. I am. Sometimes. I'm just a trained fucking monkey. I'm just a dancing monkey. You are. This show's copyrighted 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights reserved. You happy with that one now? Yes. All right. We'll talk to y'all later. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.